Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people pursue and try to succumb to love. Honestly, we're these two people here in the big old city trying to do our thing and are completely unqualified to offer advice, but we decided to start a podcast anyways. Jen, how's your week? Yeah, no, it's it's doing good. I'm I'm happy to be here on a Friday night with you, Kyle. Kyle, you look hot. Oh, thank this you. This Friday night. It's because the uh, the thermostat is up a bit too much. <laughs> To be honest uh, with you. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Yeah, it's getting a little bit colder. The fireplace is on. Here we are. And uh, you know what? I'm uh, uh, I'm having an okay week. Mm. I'm thinking a lot about I'm thinking a lot about love this week. Yeah. Honestly. I'm why why about, is that? What's uh, what's new in your love life? Uh you know what? Not not too much to report here, unfortunately, <laughs> for another week. But I am thinking a lot about what's next. Mm. Um, you know, we got some really great feedback around our episode around relationships ending called It's Over. And of course, we didn't mean the podcast, although some people did get excited. I Correct. Think, but... Yeah, we, we got our first fan mail right after that episode. Thank <laughs> <Yes>. God. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God this is over. Now I'm thinking a lot about what's coming next and and, you know, being ready for what waits for me you've you've dropped a few little little gems yes. around your your oh. life how, how goes the battle sir jen honestly this week i am more confused than anything else and it's so hilarious because i am always the person on this show who beats the drum of like communication just talk about your feelings if you have a question or if you're not sure just talk to the other person and this person who i am I guess stating, I don't know. I don't know what the labels are as of yet, but I've definitely seen four or five times here at this point. I'm at the point where it's like, are we in a relationship or are we just meaning to have sex? Because <laughs> that's kind of what it's starting to feel like. And I want more and I don't know how to communicate that effectively. And uh, we're both awful at texting each other. Sometimes it's like three days for a response. So it's uh, it's getting weird. Is what I have to say. It's weird. You know, I'm always a big believer that we can't change other people, but we can own what we own. Mm -hmm. So what can you own in this situation? You just said three days before you're getting back to a text. What's that about, sir? I like to prioritize my work over my uh, relationships because <laughs> that's what I stress ah. out about the absolute most in my entire life. So not a great excuse, but that is the excuse. You can't have a beef with this guy if he's doing the same thing to you. Um, He is a civil servant. So I think that he has a little <laughs> oh bit more time. God. Oh my God. He has no excuse. I am an entrepreneur. Yeah. No, sorry, man. No way. You know, it is it is interesting because, you know, for for what, 10 weeks now, you've been talking about how the most important thing in a mm -hmm. relationship is communication. Yes. And I have disagreed. So it's not only ironically funny that you're having communication <laughs> issues, but the fact that I've always disagreed that I don't think communication is at the core. I, I just fundamentally disagree. Well, what is the most important thing then? If it's not communication, <laughs> what is the most important thing? And isn't it odd that I'm a communications person by trade mm -hmm. here on this podcast on a Friday night being like, you guys, this is not the whole thing. I will pause it for my own hypothesis, my yeah. own relationship hypothesis over here that I don't think communication matters if you don't have trust. So this week, I want to talk about trust because this is my point of view. Every aspirational story that we're ever told that motivates us to feel something is ultimately a story about trust 
right? Like the dog licks a woman until she realizes she has cancer. That's her trusting the instincts of the dog, right? right? You know, people, we've talked about it last week, you know, people going home, bringing a partner home to meet their parents. It's ultimately about trusting the opinion of their parents, trusting themselves, trusting the ecosystem to say, is this going to, is this going to work? Anybody who goes to an astrologist is ultimately about, I'm going to put my trust in the absolute subjective nature of, you know, the future or the stars or whatever it is. I am flummoxed by this, that we Mm. will trust a dry cleaner. We will trust uh, chiropractors. I'm one of them, right? We'll put our trust in, in science, but we have such a hard time trusting our partners. Right. Trust when it comes to an interpersonal intimate level between ourselves and someone else, there just seems to be this for some of us <clears throat> there just seems to be this impenetrable barrier of of trust. Well, is that the trust of them or the trust you have in yourself? Oh, no, 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 no. I knew you were going to say this. I knew you're going to be like, let's talk about the self. Let's talk about what trust really manifests itself. I'm keeping the rink boards really short this week. I want to talk about why it is that we find someone who is a living, breathing, functional person just as ourselves, and they have an intention to be with us and we have an intention to be with them. And yet we can manifest this extraordinary divide of trust between two people. And while the, at the same time, trusting anything and everyone, well, I just don't yeah, get no, it. I, you know what it, this reminds me of? I always have to like bring in the movie reference, of course. Have you ever seen the movie Her? Where Scarlett Johansson is the voice of, of the Her with yes. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, right? yes. It's ostensibly a movie about a man falling in love with an AI. Like that's basically what the movie is about. Now, I have not watched that movie in quite a few years, but I remember loving it when it first came out because... Because it was kind of right at the very start of smartphones and like uh, voice assistants like Siri had, I think, just come out like a year before on the iPhone and Alexa was about to come out. And what I loved about that movie was that the angle it kind of took is that when we have such a personal device on ourselves as a phone, tablet, doesn't matter, where it knows and I'm, I'm anthropomorphizing our technology, but it knows like what we've searched for what we enjoy watching, what we've written down, like all of these really personal, deep secrets that we don't tell other people necessarily. The reason he falls in love with the AI is because she has no judgment coming back. She Mm. accepts it and still, you know, wants to help out, wants to be in his life. And that's the part that I think allows him to fall in love because the real people in his life do judge him, do uh, critique what what he's up to and what he likes. I just think that that is such telltale symbol of relationships in our modern age where either one we're scared because we think that is what we're going to be met with if we trust the other person or 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 allow them too far into our lives or we have been proven that our trust is broken when we actually reveal those parts of ourselves whether it was with family members with a a a romantic partner or a friendship yeah friends coworkers, Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, bosses, mentors, people of authority, for sure. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, the jury really is in on like what trust is by like a clinical term. And, And the best way to kind of put it is that trust is the ecosystem of four things. So they say one is consistency. When you see consistency, you build trust. When you are consistent, you invite trust, compassion, communication, 
and competency, like the ability to be a competent, living, breathing, thinking person with a moral aptitude. I guess it falls into the category of compassion, but you're absolutely right that when you sense that there will be judgment and don't we ever live in a society of judgment right yeah. everything is subject to the perfect feedback loop right remember those old architects of communication who were like you know a message goes out and then there's feedback that comes back and we used to talk about you know symmetrical and, and and asymmetrical communication but in our real world whether it's in friendships or in the social space wherever we go there is inherently that feedback loop of 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 judgment and without the counterbalance of compassion, how do you exactly build trust? So I thought it was interesting that they talk about how consistency, compassion, communications, and competency, I guess the four C's of trust, you know, they can't be in isolation. They all have to work together. But I think of the four, the compassion piece has to work the hardest because ultimately trust is like value, right? The old adage of value, which is, do you see me? Do you hear me? Is what I am valuable to you? meaningful to you. And I think that that's ultimately the this, the standard bearer that builds trust. And when you have a culture of judgment or the fear of judgment or a past history of judgment, you're already coming into that with like one, it's like one super sharp pencil in the deck, right? There's two things that come off from that. I mean, the first is, I think you're right. We, we are more and more living our lives online. And I find that online very rarely do we get met with compassion when we share parts of ourselves or whatever it happens to be. You know, there's that old joke, basically, whether it's Reddit or any other type of message board or news article that gets posted, it still allows for the comment section to be there. Invariably, somehow, even as as innocuous as sharing, like, I like chocolate chip cookies, it'll be somehow devolve into like, well, this is why you support Hitler. And like, it's just like, how did we get (laughs) from here to here? Like, sometimes people, I think, just assume that you were putting like the worst of intentions forward when you share something. But the second thing that I think of is that it's interesting that you consider compassion to be of the four, the most important when I think I would lean more towards the consistency piece. And maybe that's just me outing myself is that I think that that's where I fall down on the most (laughs) is the consistency piece of making sure every time that something happens, I am reacting in the same way. Yeah. I, um, I want to ask you, Kyle, Mm -hmm. do you trust easily? Well, yes. And sometimes that is my fatal flaw that I trust people almost too quickly before they have I guess, quote unquote, proven to be trustworthy. If someone says that they're going to do something or be somewhere or follow up with something, I'm going to trust that they're going to do that unless they continually make a pattern of them not doing that over and over and over again. Do you when you look back on your on your history, like all the way back to your childhood, was trust an issue or was trust something that was like a pretty solid value in your Mm. life? No, it's interesting because, yeah, I was coming at that with like a more general idea of trust. But I think if we're going in with like relationship trust, trusting people with like, quote unquote, secrets or stuff that I did not share with very many people, I kept that very close to the vest. <laughs> like I did not share that information out willy-nilly at all. And in fact, for a lot of that stuff, like my sexuality and that and those kind of big ticket items, that was not until my mid-20s before I actually started sharing that out with a lot of people because I was through media and other examples of my life kind of certain that I was not going to be met with with grace coming forward with that kind of information. So 
I definitely feel like as a younger person, as a teen and early 20s, I was very much like very guarded. And some would say, maybe even you, Jen, on this podcast, I still am a very guarded person when it comes to opening myself up. Yeah, no, my application to be your your friend is still in, in review. We're still reviewing it's, it, yeah. I wonder what the connection is between like your history of trust and how you come to understand and, and form trust as a value and, and how it goes on to define trust as an adult person as like a thinking person in relationships. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, am I well, making sense or am I so no, meta on this Friday no. night? <laughs> you're, you're making sense, but I guess I would flip it around on you. Like, where do you come at that? Like, were you a very trusting person growing up? No, never. <laughs> no, never, 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 never. I think because I come from a family that like our currency and our love language is gossip. Oh, right? Oh, I see. So if you think about it, like when you kind of build an early construct that your information can be sold to the highest bidder, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it really gets really hard really fast um, to try to build build trust. I also, oh, I just had a thought in my mind of, of my one of my parents listening to this podcast and I'm, I, it'll be an awkward, mm-hmm. it'll be an awkward Christmas. But, you know, my mother inherently does not trust. She, mm-hmm. she just inherently does not trust. She's, you know, really been taught from her own lived experience that, you know, it's you for yourself, you know, take care of yourself, have a lot of, try to have a lot of autonomy, which I think is probably part and parcel from trauma, but it's interesting because my, my father is the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet. Right. And so it's just amazing to think that you put that combination together. And yet that paradigm of, of trustworthiness could just never be broken from a lived experience. But for me, you know, I can even think of like as a, as a child knowing that, you know, the information that I shared and the things that would happen would ultimately become a commodity of, of gossip and information. And when you hear, heard, you know, really difficult, you know, gossip about other people, you just kept thinking, oh, that could just as easily have been me, right? Right. (laughs) Right? And as I get older, I'm finding more and more that I'm becoming incredibly insulated and incredibly private about the things that I want to share and and whom I want to, who, whom, who I want to trust. In relationships, I'm just like, Jen's mom 2.0, honestly, I have such a difficult time trusting. It's part of my problem of letting people in. I worry about what they'll do around information about me. I, I, I worry about, you know, then how my story is told. See, that's my PR hat coming out, mm-hmm. right? When you share a lot, you lose that control of how your story is told. You need to guide the story. You need to get out in front of it. So... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just my PR brain that works, but I, I do have a terrible time trusting. I think I fear that that moment where you build up and build up and build up and build up a relationship and then something happens to you and you need to lean on that relationship and that relationship does not lend itself for mm-hmm. a lean and you fall and you realize then you're in that much more of a disadvantaged place, right? Because you're in trouble and then your relationship's in trouble because it didn't have the institutional resilience to support you when you needed it to. And I think that that lives as such a fear in my mind that I I have a hard time even just, you know, building up the resilience of trust. All of that said, and that was a lot I appreciate, mm-hmm. the thing that I most want a partner to say about me is that they can trust me. The information that they share to me is locked down and, and held in good confidence and protected and honored and valued. And that when they need 
something from me that they can trust that I will be a stable and steady presence. And when I fail on that, I'm just sick about it. What flashed in my mind is like, oh, I wonder if like really what trust is as far as in a relationship context is feeling comfortable that there's going to be reciprocity going back and forth, which is like if I absolutely share, right. If I share something with you, you were there to support me. But if you share something with me, I am there to support you. I think we've all had at least at one time that feel like it's very one sided, right? Where maybe people expect us to be their rock, but when we need help, they're not there. They're not interested in, in supporting. I think you should, there should be a special cell, marshal them out to the car and straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not mm -hmm. collect $200. Don't waste the court system. Just go right to jail. And when people ask why you're there, you say, because... I was my my partner was there for me. And then when I needed to be there for my partner, I wasn't there. And you just get your ass kicked in jail. Yeah, you get shivved right in the neck. Is there a difference between trust and vulnerability? They might be interrelated. I think that there is a difference. Like trust incorporates vulnerability and in that you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable in that exchange or encourage the other person to be vulnerable to you. Okay. Well, you're wrong. I think okay. they're entirely the same. No, I don't. I think they're entirely the same thing. I think they are. And I don't think I realized that until we really got into this episode and started to unpack this topic. And I realized that, I, you know, I think they are synonyms of one another. Mm. I think aside from technical linguistics, really in relationships, there is no difference between trust and vulnerability. All right. Well, here is the fishbowl that I'm going to give to you. Thank you, you very much. Here are your keys. Thank you. All right. We have some, I know what's in this fishbowl this week. I, oh, nice. I had a little sneak peek. Yeah. You're going to like this fishbowl. How do I know if I can trust the person I'm falling in love with? Well, this is the hard part because it's, I don't, we, we talked about this in one of our first episodes about like having a test for your partner, right? Like you put them through a test to see if they're trustworthy or if like they're the one for you. And I'm not, and I'm not advocating that. You better not. Cause you also go to jail for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of jailing that you're doing. I guess that's why you always bring around those handcuffs with you. Uh, <laughs> well, no, that's for something different. Oh, okay. Kind of what we just finished off saying, I think if you are comfortable feeling vulnerable around them and they're being vulnerable to you, I think that that is the first sign that trust is being built with that person. I also don't think it's something that you can force, though. Like You can't rush through this where it's like, okay, we're on date five or we're on date six and now you must trust me and I'm going to throw this at you. I think it is something that kind of naturally comes out and is revealed to itself. I Googled it, which is, which is why I know it's in this fishbowl. I Googled it because I actually was like, how do you know? Because clearly this is my, my nice you know, sexy fault point of well, one of many, but probably one of my biggest. And there was actually this link that I found to, hmm. to Berkeley University, like Berkeley University, the bastion of liberal thought. And they actually <laughs> had a test like and they and they have they have 15 questions. And oh, my God, there are some good ones in here. Can Let I me just give you a sampling. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here, we'll put a link in the show okay. notes. And anybody can take the test and you can share it with us on social at somebody date JK or at somebody date on Twitter. You send us a note and let us know how you did on this quiz. So here's some of these questions I just love so much. I don't know why we didn't teach younger people to, to ask them. My partner has proven to be trustworthy and I'm willing to let him or her engage in activities which other partners find too threatening. Wow. And it's from strongly disagree to strongly agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even when I don't know how my partner will react, 
I feel comfortable telling him or her everything about myself, even those things of which I am ashamed. If that's not vulnerability, if that's not a question about vulnerability, I don't know what is. Mm. Though times, I love this, though times may change and the future is uncertain, I know my partner will always be ready and willing to offer me strength and support. So there's that consistency, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whenever I make an important decision in a situation we've never encountered before, I know my partner will be concerned about my welfare. Wow. I know. Don't you love that question? question. I love that question. Jen, this is what I think I need to do. We're going to fast forward the podcast here. I'm going to take this test. you do so it tells me that i got 38 out of 72 i don't know don't know what that means <laughs> it suggests that you have a moderate tendency to trust <laughs> specifically your responses suggest that you trust your partner and believe that he or she is somewhat honest and dependable you have faith in your relationship as a whole however when you or your relationship faces difficulties you may wonder whether your partner will be responsive and caring enough If you nurture your trust, research suggests you're more likely to have longer, happier, and more stable relationships. And how dare you get into my mind? (laughs) Berkeley quiz. Is that accurate? Do you feel that that's accurate? I feel like super accurate. Yeah. Oh my God. He feels seen, you guys. He feels seen. Anyway, (laughs) I'm I'm a big advocate of this. I just one question I want to share before you guys all hop into the quiz. Mm. I love this. It's question six. It's right in the middle of this thing. Even when I have no reason to expect my partner to share things with me, I still feel certain that he or she will. Mm-hmm. It's like this deferral of trust that you know that there's an openness that's shared. I think that that's the magic. I think that's the magic. I think that's what so many of us are, mm-hmm. are chasing. I like that. I, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it on social. Please do it and please share. And see if you, you can beat a 38 because. <laughs> <laughs> Next question in the fishbowl. Can you have love without trust? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very succinct with that. No. I don't, I don't see how you can't have trust with the partner that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Question three, which kind of goes down the path mm. that you want to go to tonight, and I'm not, I'm not letting you, which is how can I trust myself, let alone the other person? Any pearls of wisdom there, Mr. Marshall? I mean, I have to be very clear here. I mean, when the full moon arises, I do have to lock myself in my room for a 24-hour <laughs> period. Because the bloodlust is too too high. This is, of course, someone who deals with like mental health things like anxiety and feeling unworthy of other people. Uh, a really hard question for me to answer, mostly because these are some of the questions that kind of swirl around in my mind um, very often. You often talk, Jen, about how a relationship needs to be two holes, right? There has to be two whole people coming into the relationship. And that's... W-H-O-L-E. That's Oh, I was misinterpreting this the entire time. (laughs) Stop it. You do need to work on yourself if you're having those types of feelings and insecurities in there. So I would start there. If honestly, if you if you are asking the question, well, how can I trust myself to be in this relationship? I think that you need to start with with like working on that mental health. The the deeper point I think here is that what we keep coming back to, the best of relationships are are built on not just trust, but also being, uh, I guess, that our favorite word here on this episode today, that vulnerability with each other. So I think, again, communicating that with your partner is a good first step to show them that uh, these are these are thoughts and feelings that you have. 
as you know, Kyle, I used to work for an airline. Yes. And I feel like there's a baggage policy here. <laughs> if you... Charge them $25 for extra baggage. That's right. If you don't, if you don't trust yourself, you're bringing a whole lot of carry-on baggage into... Actually, checked baggage, carry-on. You're bringing a whole lot of baggage into a relationship. And that, over time, will, will tear it apart. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's an accident that RuPaul Charles has said like 150 times on his television show, if you can't love yourself, you can't love somebody else. That's a bastardization because I don't think I can say the whole sentence without right. having to pay a royalty fee. Sure, but sure. I think that that is at the crux of it. For some people, it takes a long time to get to a place where they can trust themselves. And those people rightfully come to the dating space much later, as they should. Because if you do not trust yourself, all you are going to do is violate what I think is the first afoul of relationships, which is being reckless with other people's yeah, hearts yeah, yeah. or allowing people to be reckless with yours. I just think if you don't trust yourself to make good decisions, you lead yourself down a path of codependency and instability. And believe me, I, I've been there. I, I wonder if I'm there now. <laughs> I wonder if I'm there now. You bring forward a, a sense of instability, which will then just you know, cripple the relationship and frustrate you and frustrate a partner. And when you think that you might've found someone who is a good companion to you, to you, you're going to bring all this extra air and extra oxygen that's unnecessary. Yeah. It's almost like trying to walk around with like a carrying like a 50 pound stone, right? Like you can't really focus on other things because you're all your attention is placed on this thing that you're carrying around with you. You have to set it down. Which is so much easier said than done. Oh, sure. Honestly. Sure. I was talking to a woman from Japan mm -hmm. the other day and we had this, obviously we had a communication barrier, but she inadvertently explained something in such a dynamic way that I thought, well, doesn't that apply to every area of your life? And here's what she said. She said, there's our head that teaches us or informs what we should do pragmatically. Mm -hmm. And we focus a lot of energy there. That's, you know, get educated, get a job, you know, look at retirement, be an entrepreneur, you know, have, you know, have goals, you know, think about a plan for your life, be, be intentional, all those things that our head does. And then our heart is a nice counterbalance to that, which says, you know, what do you need? What do you want? What makes you feel good? What brings you, what brings you joy and passion? And, and we spend so much time talking about how to get those two things in congruence or how to how to navigate when they're out of sync with one another that we never ever talk about what really matters which is our gut mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's our instinct that's our, that's that place where we just intuitively know that what we're doing is right or wrong or responsible or irresponsible or pragmatic or ridiculous or all consuming or healthy or negative or whatever it is. And we spend so much time talking about the interplay between our head and our heart that we don't spend nearly enough time talking about what really matters, which is what is in our gut. Right. And I've been thinking about this quite a bit because I'm at such an apex in my life. I never believed that at 38, I'd be facing the choices that I'm facing, trying to figure out once again, like who I am and what I want and where do I lean into? What do I most want to be? And I am really in the process of my heart wants one thing, my mind wants another. And all I'm saying every morning is show me the path of what my gut, what my gut instinct knows is right for me. Right, right, right. And, and that's the journey that I'm on. Now, imagine you add another person into that. That's so disrespectful to that other person. It's chaos. <laughs> like it's, it's chaos. Yeah. All right. Question four. My trust has been betrayed. How long will it take me to trust again? 
Um, you know, no, no context to that question. Sorry. Oh, right, right. I know. <laughs> and so we're going to phone them up now. Now, um, not to, you know, pull the curtain too far back here, Jen, but we do have a document that we create every week for these shows. I feel there was a, yeah, you have a story time link in here that I think is part and parcel to this. A person who had been hurt in, by your parents growing up, by a friend uh, earlier on and then her first husband and she goes through that story about then with her last and like i was gonna say her last husband <laughs> that's such one more dire in her current relationship she was finding that, that it took her a long time to trust them because she just assumed that they were going to do the exact same thing as all these other previous relationships that she had and so for her i mean it took her many many years for her to feel like she could trust other people again but i do think that it is the content of other people's characters. We cannot assume that everyone is going to betray us or be awful to us or to circumvent what we want. I don't think that's a great way to interact with society. At the same time, I think you and I are aligned with the fact that if people are consistently showing themselves to be one way, then like they're telling on themselves, right? They, if people show you who they are, trust believe them. them. Yeah, believe them. That's that's yeah. the phrase I was trying to remember desperately. I'm here for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. So if the other person is not showing those telltale signs, is being supportive, then also you have to trust them there as well. To the person who wrote in this question, I offer you this lifeline. There's a support group here in Calgary. It's called Everyone. We meet at the bar every day <laughs> like honestly okay. i am okay. i am surprised i thought that was so true for like a full five seconds i'm like oh this sounds like a great group <laughs> yeah where do we meet you meet everywhere how it's do you everyone. spell that everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly there's seventy five thousand meetups for this yeah. i think that it's listen i'm i feel so unqualified to answer this because i'm absolutely in the throes of my trust being betrayed. So I, I I look at it through that lens, but I do think it's important. It feels like a little bit secular, like it happens to everybody at, at some point. And, you know, we do have to, we do have to navigate it. You know, I'm, I am a big believer. It sounds so trite to say, but you know, time really does heal all wounds and, you know, just give it time. I, that sounds so trite. I feel like such an asshole with that answer, right? Like we should become a life coach, Jen. Oh, God, kill me now. I will say, though, I decided to put out a Twitter poll about this. Oh. And the question, the question that was asked was, when trust is broken in a relationship, can it truly be restored? That was the question. Right. 37% of you said, honestly, no, it's over. The same amount of you <laughs> said yes, but only with time. Mm. Um, and... Some of you thought, yeah, forgiveness happens. Fine. You know, have a forgiving heart. Um, I'd like to meet you unicorn people. Not a single person said only with counseling. So I thought that was That's hilarious. So funny. That's so funny. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. If you are in a relationship and the trust has been violated, give it some time and then decide if it's over or make it over and then heal over time. Really? You've got choices. <laughs> you've got choices. I feel like such a hypocrite trying to answer that because at this point I'm still like, I'm trying to like control the rage. <laughs> so, um, question five, and this is the last question I have in the bowl here. Why can't I trust? What's wrong with me? It's literally ruining every relationship I have. I guess we're supposed to weigh in on the what's wrong with me. I guess that's the question part of it. 
I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is very similar to some of the other questions we've answered from the fishbowl here this week, which is if it is a pattern that you are finding yourself in where you are identifying that it is actually you that is not trusting people in a negative connotation, right? Where like literally they were not doing anything wrong and you just assume that there is something going on in the in that relationship then uh, once again, I think that's something that you need to work on for yourself so that you can be that quality partner for the other person. And a quality person for yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that if I, here's my chance to become a self-help guru. I feel like the this thing that keeps swearing around is like, why can't I trust? Um, I always feel like I want to meet with like, well, have you tried trusting people? Because, <laughs> because I, and I know it's not that simple and I don't mean to be flippant with that, but at the same time, I, I see this so often where the negative opinion is like the first one that instantly jumps forward. It's like, oh, they were doing this or they put intentionality behind something that might be just innocuous when it could be just as true that it's the positive option or it was like, uh, not meant to be like a, a, a diss to you specifically. So sometimes I think it is a choice why you can't trust. Oh yeah. You, you own what you own. Mm -hmm. And, and it's clear to me from this, from the way this note is written. And I know that you guys can't see the same punctuation that we can, but it's clear to me that there's something inherent going on here. Like there's probably something in the past or, or some, there's some block there that everything is being approached. Like you said, through the lens of, Let's just assume that this is not a trustworthy situation. Yeah, this is this is a this this is a situation for some. Perf it's okay, but it's a situation for some professional help. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That brings us to the end of our fishbowl for this week. But if you're listening and you're thinking, I have questions for the fishbowl. Doesn't matter what the topic is or what you want to talk about. Submit your questions to the fishbowl, and we will give it an unqualified answer. We promise. It's actually our guarantee. <laughs> it's actually our guarantee. We uh, can be reached on Facebook at somebody date JK or on Twitter at somebody date. Why those aren't the same is my fault. I'm not good at this. And you can uh, also visit our website, somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N. And you can submit your question right to this giant fishbowl on our website. And uh, they do come to us directly. We do read them. We do figure out what we want to do with them. And we certainly want to hear from you. And you also don't just have to, you don't just have to ask a question. If you have a story you want to share or an anecdote or something, even some great advice you received, really, we'll put anything in the fishbowl except Kyle's keys. Right. Clearly. Yeah. Let's talk about some unqualified advice, shall we? Mr. Let's do Marshall? It. There's a website called Leading with Trust. Run you did by a very man big sigh there. I just want to point this out. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's run by a man named Randy uh, Connie. Con Conley? Conley? Yeah, I'm literate. Conley. And uh, he's a pretty big deal in the self-help mm. self world, or so I'm told. Uh, unlike the hairdresser turned into a life coach guru from a few weeks ago that we had. And he wrote an article about trust, and he was talking about trust in all forms. Right. And he says, the best predictor of someone's future trustworthiness is their past trustworthiness. So we know this if you've ever interviewed for a job. They say your, your, you know, your past behavior and how you've handled situations is an indicator of your future behavior. But what that never gives credit for, especially in relationships, is evolution, mm -hmm. right? In theory, unless we're a serial killer, we should get better at relationships as we go through them. 
right? If we aspire to self-actualize yeah. the way we all want to. Um, maybe for some people, it's more of a journey than a destination, I will readily admit. Um, but do you think, Kyle, that a best predictor of someone's future trustworthiness is their past trustworthiness? Accurate or bullshit? Oh, man. I mean, this is so hard. These questions have been hard this week for me. Um, honestly, I want to say that it is accurate-ish. In that I, oh, that's not. No way. I'm going to force you to pick. I'm going to force you to pick. <laughs> There's no middle of the road. Okay. It's okay. either accurate or it's bullshit. Well, then I'm going to flip over to the right-hand side, the bullshit one, because I think broadly speaking, yes. I mean, this is how all like stats work and like polling works, right? You're looking at the past to trying to predict the future. And most of the time, it's a great predictor of what is going to happen in the present day. But it doesn't always do it. There, it does not account for whims, but people who have learned or changed their mind or gotten better. So within the relationship context, I think what you just prefaced that all with is true, right? If I have been in a couple other relationships, I have noticed recurring things that either myself or my partner have done. I can learn from that so that I can be a better person inside of this relationship that I'm currently in. I think so many factors calculate into this, right? If yeah. you are a proponent of once a cheater, always a cheater, right? Which we right. haven't really talked about. I'm surprised we haven't really talked about. If you believe like once a cheater, always a cheater, then you're looking at this question through the lens of, you know, yeah, absolutely. If they've been unfaithful and they're not a good, and they're, you know, yeah. not loyal to their partner, that behavior is inherently in them to make those excuses to be able to cross that divide. The flip side to that is people who get out of a relationship that was very difficult and very toxic and they think to themselves, I am in no hurry to replicate the difficulty and the danger and the pitfalls of the relationship I had before. I've I've met someone like that and 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 he's he said to me, I'm committed for whatever it takes to look at the sins of the past and not replicate them again. I used to, you know, give my partner the silent treatment. I'm going to choose to communicate. Right. I was not faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to be, you know, a, a, a family man to, to, to look at what do I need to do as a leader to keep my family whole. And so for those people who come out of relationships and they think I want love and my intentions are honest and I came out of something so toxic and dysfunctional and I don't want to replicate that because it was genuinely traumatic to me. Those people don't fall into a past indicator as a future, as, as a future indicator, you know, and even in relationships, like, I mean, you know, we've talked about this, uh, you know, a year ago when we were doing the first season of my other podcast, for those of you listening, Kyle is the producer of my other podcast. You know, I was, I was 55 pounds heavier than I am today. You know, that just took me saying, I'm, I'm not going to have my, my past look in the mirror be my future look in the mirror. Am I inherently just facing down, you know, one, one outcome for my life because, you know, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we forget that every day people iterate, people decide to, to grow and stretch and, 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 and be, and be better. We, you know, we saw a lot of that during the pandemic, right? You know, we were all making sourdough bread, man. Like people can change. <laughs> well, something that you just said there though, I think that is so key is you can get into that mindset of like, well, this is what it's always going to be. This is what I am specifically. This is what I am. And then internalizing of like, what you are, quote unquote, really is the mind flip. And it's like, well, what if I am not this way? What if I did do this instead of choosing to do this? And it's hard. And again, brings in that consistency piece of doing that over a long period of time. 
But you do see those people who do the miraculous changes, not just for like weight, prioritizing family or leading with empathy, whatever it happens to be that you can, you can force yourself and then that becomes the habit and that becomes you. Yeah, I think you just have to extrapolate the idea that, you know, we we are creatures of habit. And as we get older, we sort of become yeah. solidified with who we are. But that doesn't mean that then we don't look at situations and say, OK, I'm not going to replicate madness. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. That was unqualified advice. <laughs> that was that was truly what that was. <laughs> We're now, of course, wrapping up the uh, episode here. But there's a few things that we've talked about here on this episode. Number one, going to the website somebody date jen and kyle that's jen with two n's dot com also somebody date jen and kyle dot com that's jen with two n's that's where you can find the fishbowl where you can put in questions that you want us to read out on air there is the question of the week that'll be for future episodes that we do here on the show and our, we have our social media that's out there as well so we're on twitter we're on facebook and the other big thing that people can do as well is Go and rate and review us on whatever podcast app that you are currently using. It's a free way to do it. It's a quick way to do it. And it actually does make the algorithm want to promote this show more and more. So anyone who's listening, if you can take your you know, 10 to 15 seconds and go and give us whatever amount of stars, I'm going to suggest five, but you do you. Give us five stars, give us a review and uh, make us go up those iTunes charts. It's been great to spend this Friday with you, Kyle. Yes, it's been great. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Stay safe out there. Bye.